0: And you realize, you know, a lot of people don't understand we use songs. Yeah, some people sing songs. It's true, you sing them, but actually it's not about singing the song. It's actually about using the song to position yourself for experiencing God, honoring God. So it's a wonderful thing. Aren't you glad? Do you love our musicians tonight? Come on, let's give them a great, let's give them a great clap. Thank you, John. That's awesome. We'll get them back up soon. Get them back up. Fantastic. Well, this week we've got an awesome week coming up. And uh, I just want you to just make the time and effort and energy to be there. Uh, We've got a a tremendous man of God coming from around the other side of the world. And uh, they move in the prophetic. They move in the supernatural realm. And uh, keep the lights down. I just put too light. It's nighttime. That's a a bit better. That's it. There you go. And uh, they're just coming to. We're just really privileged to have them. And I believe we're going to be in for a tremendous couple of days uh, during the week. Now, if you look in the uh, newsletter, they made a little mistake. Sometimes it happens. It says Tuesday night. next actually, Tuesday is not the right night. It's Thursday night. So we'll all say now Thursday. Okay. Thursday. Okay. Thursday, you come Thursday for God. And uh, when you come thirsting for God, he always responds. Okay. So Thursday night, then all day Friday. So it's in the morning, afternoon, and night. All day Saturday, morning, afternoon, and night. And then we we'll give a bit of a break on Sunday morning and night. And uh, I encourage you to come as much as you can, and also encourage you to prepare. Uh, how do you prepare your heart? Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. There are times when God's presence is around to really just shift our life and change our life. And in the Bible, I used to encourage them to have special seasons when they would come together to celebrate and to make a special period of their life a week in their life to encounter God but we can do things that position ourselves to encounter God so you can just come to one or two meetings if you like that's fine some people can't do more than that that's just okay but if you could just set in your heart i want to do two things I want to get to as many as I can and two I want to engage fully while I'm here not just in listening for messages I hope someone can be a prophecy Listen, don't, don't think that way. Just saying, man, God's going to be here. I've got some anointed men of God coming to this place. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be up the front. I'm going to be worshiping God. I'm not going to sort of be hanging out. See what happens. Listen, I don't, I'm not worried about seeing what happens. I want to be part of what happens. See? And so the other thing, too, is I encourage you to fast. Uh, take some time to fast. So why don't you just, uh, just I know it's a holiday time. Why don't you just can TV for three or four days? So no TV, just go, turn it off. Okay. And turn off everything that's kind of video and visual like that. And just over the next few days, just set your heart. You're going to spend time alone with God. You're going to pray. You're going to prepare you out and say, God, I want to really meet with you. I want to really encounter you. So when we, uh, when, when we get together, there's just a, an immense hunger for God. And really, hunger does draw the presence of God, absolutely certain. So I found when people are fasting, fasting, man, all I get when I – initially when I fast, I get hungry. And, uh, but then after a while, I get hungry for God, see? So initially, you're hungry for food. And, uh, but we've already set ourselves to start the process of fasting, to be just in a place where, well, God, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, I'm just there. I'll count on me to be up the front and into it. See? And so let's all have that kind of attitude of heart. And this is a time when something could just shift in my life like that. I, can, I remember being in meetings where God's presence came, and just in a moment of time, people were shifted in their life, and their life changed from that point on. They can look back and say, that was the time I had a word from God, and it changed the direction of my life. That was the time God spoke to you. Now, you don't need to get a word from God because someone prophesies over you. I don't know whether they're going to do that or not. not too worried about that. But as they preach and minister, if you'll just listen in your heart, in the midst of it all, you will hear God speak into your life about something you need to shift, change, or something he wants to do. And I encourage you, when you come along to the meetings, get a a notepad and uh, have your Bible with you, have a notepad. You can't remember anything if you don't write stuff. And uh, so, get a notepad. Write things down. Write down the things that you feel. And then, sometimes God will drop an idea because there's a prophetic flow. And then, at the top of your page, just write your little ideas or thoughts of God saying, "He may just tell you, give that up, stop that, do this." And just jot it down. And then later on, you go back and go back into, and as you begin to read and pray over it, all starts to come back to you again. And uh, so, this is going to be a great time, eh? Going to enjoy it. Going to be a great time. Going to be a really good time. It's really great that we've got two prophets coming from around the world. I think this is just, oh, yes. Come on, tell someone, yes. How do you get excited about something? One of the problems in New Zealand, people don't get excited. They get excited about all the wrong things. Shout when someone kicks a little piece of leather with air in it around. They don't get excited about God. (laughs) I get excited about God. You know, it's great. Get excited about God. Let's open up our Bible and we'll just uh, talk about persevering prayer. I just felt the Lord put something on my heart for tonight. And uh, we're going to look in uh, Matthew chapter, so now we're looking at Luke chapter 18. And then we're going to look over into uh, Mark chapter 10. So I want to just pick up a few things here. And uh, just to talk with you about persevering in prayer, about sticking with it, not quitting, not giving up. And uh, we're going to look in a moment just at the, the story I want to go to. And uh, verse, let's pick it up here in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them. So it's a parable. It's not a real story. It's a story that's got a message in it. And so he spoke a parable to them. And this is the parable. And this is the reason he's speaking the parable. That man and woman ought to pray and not faint. Ought to pray and keep praying and not faint. That word faint means don't lose courage. Don't lose heart when your prayer wasn't answered immediately. Don't lose hope because nothing happens straight away. Don't lose uh, your faith and your belief in God, because something didn't happen the first time you prayed. He's saying, pray and don't faint. Have you ever seen someone faint? They look like they're doing all right, and suddenly they're down. They're, like, they're falling over. They're gone. You know, they're out to it. And uh, so, as far as what's going on, they're just out to it. And uh, so, things could be happening all around them, but they're out to it because they fainted. And so, God's saying in this. He's, here's the purpose of this parable. He's saying, stick with praying. Until heaven comes into the earth and you get what you're believing for and don't quit because there was resistance or no answer initially. How many prayed and found that there was no answer initially? Yeah, everyone's had that happen. I have it happen to me. It drives me crazy. And um, I like it now. You know, I'll give it now. And, uh, I, and so I don't like delays or having to wait around. But I've had to learn the Patience. And so Jesus is saying in this, there's a need for perseverance and patience in prayer because you don't always get the answer straight away. And there are many reasons for that. Uh, Some of them are our own preparation and readiness. Some of them are because it takes God a little bit to organize the circumstances. Sometimes because it's demonic resistance in the spirit world, such as Daniel experienced. Daniel experienced some things in the spirit world. He prayed and fasted for three weeks and he never quit. And I guess for three weeks it was really difficult, but he prayed and didn't faint. And then he had a visitation of God that changed a nation. Aren't you glad he didn't quit on day 20? Oh, see, this fasting and praying. This is nothing ever happened to I He mean, prayed 20 days and God hasn't done anything for me. I've heard people say that. Very sad, really. He's got, but the Bible says God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. You know, my diary, I wrote down, I have an electronic diary. Every day it would open up. The first thing would open up. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I was wanting to remind myself he's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. He rewards openly what's done secretly. So we look around and we see things openly and we want what they've got, but we didn't realize what was going on secretly. See, it's the secretly and secretly giving, secretly praying, secretly fasting. God says in Matthew 6, he will reward openly, openly. You want open blessings, open blessings, suddenly you get a promotion, suddenly money comes into your plate, suddenly this, suddenly that, suddenly that. but there were things in secret, see, you know, and uh, so like we were, I just, uh, was just sharing with someone, Joy was sharing with someone yesterday saying, you know, we shared just how, how people had uh, given to us this cruise. We had a wonderful time. What we forgot to mention was the day someone came to meet us to give us the cruise, we'd sold Joy's car. We had the money in our hand ready to give it out to someone else. You see, so that part was the secret bit. The cruise was the open bit. There's always secret things. And it's the secret things are what actually, at the end of the day, manifest openly in our lives. So what's going on in life, in your life, in secret? So Jesus tells a story here, and the purpose of the story is just very, very simple. He tells a story just so we will understand we should pray and not quit. Okay? Pray and don't quit. So don't quit. Tell someone to you don't quit. Don't be worse than faint and give up and fall over. You know, Pray. And, of course, it takes a bit of perseverance. So he, said, so he gives the story. Now, remember, it's a story. It's not a real story. This is, not what, this is just a story to show something. And so he said there was an unjust judge. Uh, there was a certain city, a judge who didn't fear God nor regard man. So he's just an unrighteous man. This is not God. He said, now, there was a widow in the city, and she came to him saying, Give me justice. Give me justice. And uh, he didn't. He didn't respond at all. didn't even listen to her. And he didn't care about her at all. But you know what she did? She kept banging on his door. She banged on his door. She banged, banged on his door. Give me justice. I want justice. I want you to give me justice. He get up and she's out there. Ah, I see you're up. I want justice. And he goes, shut the door, shut the door, get this woman away from me. And then he, he come home. When he comes home from work, she said, I want justice. Get her away from me. So there he gets up the next day and, he kind of yawned open the windows. Ah, give me justice. And see, every day, see, she's at him. At him because he's in a position where he can do something. And nothing's happening. And she's determined, I will have justice. So do you, So anyway, so what happens is, he said he wouldn't for a while. But afterwards he said, though I don't fear God nor regard man. But this woman troubles me. This woman troubles me. That's I've heard many people say that. This woman troubles me. Some marriages. I mean, oh, this woman troubles me. said, yeah, I'm sure this thing's in you too. Uh, (laughs) They said, because this widow troubles me, I will act on her behalf. Lest by her continually coming, she wears me down. Or in other words, putting it simply, this woman is nagging me to death. I've got to give her what she, what do you want? What do you want? That's what he's saying so he's, he draws a strong parallel between nagging and answered prayer. So sort of nagging, on, on. It's just a uh, nagging woman's like a dripping tap. <gasps> you have a dripping tap and you're trying to sleep. Trip, trip, drip. Ah! And it gets louder at night until it sounds like it's just next to you. Dripping tap. Ah! Put a cup under it and So he says this, unless she wears me down. she says, this is going to kill me if I don't do something. So he does something. Give away. What do you want? And he said, now hear what the unjust judge says. So he's saying, this is the story. So he said, you can see here's a woman with a need, and here's someone who's unjust, and she just kept at him and at him and at him. And in the end, even though he's unrighteous, even though he's not a good man or anything like that, just because she was persistent, she got what she wanted. That's what the listener's. Now he draws the story, because remember he told us, pray and don't quit. Then he says, shall not God. Yeah, God is righteous. See, God is good. God cares about us. God wants to help us. Shall not God avenge or answer the prayers of his people, though they cry day and night? There are several things in here. One, God is righteous. He's a right God. He'll do, you can expect him to do something right. Second thing is, uh, he has compassion. He cares about people. And thirdly, he will hear our prayer and he'll answer. He's already promised some things. Now, you say, Well, I pray, nothing much happened. I just prayed. Now, how many times did you pray? I oh, didn't pray very much. Prayed at once, and nothing happened. See, a lot of people do that. They just pray once and don't persevere. Pray, keep on praying, praying. Just think of that nagging woman, you know? And there you are, and you wake up, get out of bed, and ah! you yell like, see? That was what he did. You know, he'd get out and he'd be yawning and there's a the woman out there. She's already up before him and she's there crying out. The moment she spotted him, she's yelling. And so she said, Shall I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. So it's, this is what he's saying. He's saying an unrighteous judge will actually respond just because of the perseverance. How much more will God respond to us because he's righteous, he cares about us, he has compassion, he's made promises. Now, here's where he brings the hard line on. He says, nevertheless, in spite of all I've said, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on earth? Now, now he's shifted the talk, and he's talking about the last days, the day we live in. And this is what he's asking. When I come, will the people in the earth have faith to believe for the supernatural to come into the earth? And will they persevere like this woman until it happens? Say it again. When I come, and we know the Lord will return. He said, Will I find in the earth faith like this woman had that will persevere in prayer until the miraculous and supernatural comes into the earth? Now, of course, we've prayed, and sometimes you see people healed, sometimes they're not healed, sometimes they're delivered, sometimes they're not delivered, and there's always reasons for this. But what God wants us to have is a faith for the supernatural to be in the earth. He's wanting us to have a faith for miracles to be in our life. But he's telling us clearly that the problem is when we don't get an answer, we tend to faint and quit and give up. And he's saying what's really needed is don't quit. Don't give up. Persevere. Because there must be a day When there's a breaking through and you get a miracle and a breakthrough and the supernatural comes around your life and your finances and your marriage and your relationship, there must be a day when heaven's open and something breaks through for you. You say, well, you know, I love to hear other people's breakthroughs, but, you know, sometimes there's a sort of sinking feeling in your heart. You feel a bit sorry for yourself. You know, nothing happening for me. But actually, you've got to get over that and say, God, they got a breakthrough it's there for me too. And the Lord's question is, will he find faith in Bay City? Will he find faith in Hastings? Will he find believing people who express their faith by relentless pursuing of God? That's good, isn't it, eh? I just about finished there. Say, so, Will he find that in you? How relentless are you in persevering until you start to see the supernatural around your life, in your finances, in your relationships, among young people at school getting saved. Understand how hard it is and how difficult it is at times, the resistance and the mockery and the belittling and the indifference. But you've got to understand that's a spiritual cloud of darkness over them. And will God find faith in your school? Will he find someone that will be relentless and pray till something happens? See? When, when we were, started out as a young Christian in a high school, and uh, I'd only been a Christian uh, oh, about six or nine months, I suppose, and then I gave a little bit of a help for a Christian group in the school. But uh, then the lady left, and it was left for me to do it. And I would never have a clue what to do. Too young Lord, to know what to do. I thought, well, one thing I need to do is pray. So I, we began to fast and pray. And so every week on Tuesday, we fasted, and we prayed, and we believed for God to break through. And we just saw so many young lives, so many people changed, and it just kind of supernaturally happened. There was nothing at all for quite a while. And so what I used to do is at nighttime, I used to go for a walk through the school because I figured it was full of stuff. And so I would just walk through. So I'd leave the lights off, see, so I can feel it. I, you know, some people don't like to walk in the dark. don't worry me at all. Nothing out there that I can't handle, see, because we've got authority over it. So I'd walk through the school corridors, walk right around the loop, and there was a kind of a big corridor, and it's the strangest thing. At lunchtime, kids would all sort of, I just don't know what happens to them. They come like sheep. They just would walk right around the big corridor, go down this one here, go down that way there, and then they go back around the other one there, and then they'd go. Right, they would just do that the whole lunchtime. And I don't know, they were all looking for someone or something. So I would go there, and I would walk that place that they would all walk. I'd just walk around it, and it would creak, and it would be dark, and you'd feel stuff. I just kept praying. And just walked around that thing and prayed and declared I had dominion in that place and God would come into that place. And then when God came, it was just sudden, unexpected. He came suddenly. It was just totally unexpected. I'd kind of stopped even thinking about it. I would pray around the corridor, go right around, walk right around it every, you know, regularly, not every day. And then every day in my room, I'd pray over the seats. And I just did it because God said to do it. And I just expected someday God would do something. And then one day when it happened, it just suddenly happened. It just suddenly, out of the blue, I had a teacher respond and acknowledge the presence of God was in the room. I had two kids begin to manifest outside the room. And then it just started one by one by one. Kids started to come to the Lord. Just like that. And, you know, you couldn't say it was one big event. It couldn't say it was any big thing we did. It wasn't any great outreach program we had. God began to draw them. And as they got touched by God, they got delivered. They got touched by the Holy Ghost. They started to encounter God. It started to spread in the school. Fantastic, isn't it? We need the same thing here. It's the same God. Kids have the same needs. You just need people here who will let people have faith. And, you know, because before that, there was no faith in the school for it. But, see, I just was too young to think that God wouldn't do it. <laughs> of course he'll do it. But of course he'll do it. Why wouldn't he? I just kept praying until it happened. And then when it happened, I was astonished. Absolutely astonished. <laughs> it, just got, it was so easy. People would just come, we'd have a meeting, people would come, we'd, do, we'd organize things, people would come to them, they'd just be drawn, amazingly drawn. Sometimes what we do now is we, we tend to lean too much on the program. And I believe you do have to have good programs and lively things, a lot of energy, a lot of activity, but you actually need God. See, because only, only God can get people born again. So, so what that requires is a core of people that will do what Jesus said, that men ought always to pray and not quit. Not Pray and not quit. Why don't you have a look at a guy in Mark chapter 10 who did exactly that. I preached on him once before. And uh, I found myself up on the stage and my zip was undone. So I got everyone to turn to Mark 10. I said, imagine what it would be like to be blind. I got everyone to shut their eyes. While they shut their eyes, I got my zip right. And I was able to carry on. (laughs) But it's okay tonight, all right? <laughs> Everyone shut their eyes and no one knew what I was doing. Okay. See? Because if i gone out and just, oh my God, look at that, you know, then that would have ruined the night, you know. I want to ruin the night. Okay, then, here it is. And, and so let's read in Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. And we're going to look at a story about a blind man. I want to pick up two or three things just out of the story. Now, let me just, as we begin, to talk about the story of a blind man, one of the things that Jesus said he came to do was to restore vision. Vision. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and Luke four eighteen, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, and recovering of sight to the blind. Now, he's quoting Scripture, but if you read Scripture in the Old Testament... And read the same scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. Preach the gospel to the poor. To heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim deliverance to the captives. And to open the prisons to those who are bound. So if you're blind and have no vision, you're in a prison in your life. You are imprisoned if you have no vision. Because you're created. One of the most important things you and I need is vision. Not just our natural vision but we need vision and direction for our life. So in Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, without prophetic vision, without uh, vision or ongoing revelation from God, without God speaking into our life and showing us our life and where it's going and what he wants to do, then we dwell carelessly. And we miss the opportunities that come in our life. So if you have no vision, no direction for your life, you're like a ship at sea in a storm with a rudder and, and there's no one at the helm. Now, I tell you what, that's a dangerous place to be. I've been in a ship uh, in the, towards, uh, in the, down towards the Antarctic, not quite in the Antarctic. It was in the seas between New Zealand and the Antarctic, and we got in a massive storm there and lost power. And when a ship loses power and it can't move the rudders, then what happens to the ship? It goes side on to the sea and it begins to roll. And not only could we not... Uh, not, we, we couldn't steer it. it, had no power to go forward, no power to steer it, not only that, but you also had no power to control the, the tanks that stopped the rolling, where these tanks, no pump pumped fluid from one side of the boat to the other, and so went, without the tanks going, the ship just moved around like that, went side on into the seas, and then it began to roll, and it really began to roll. It rolled so much. I could, in, you know, in a room, like a little room, uh, you know, what he could do, it was quite interesting, really, he could actually run across, I could run right up the wall, right up to the corner of the roof, it was quite, quite something to do it, really, when the ship went over there, I could run right up, yay, and then run down there, yay, it was quite a thing, really, it didn't occur to me that the ship could roll over and never come back up again, you know, <laughs> never thought of that, I was just having a bit of fun in the storm, and, uh, but it rolled, it rolled something wicked, absolutely wicked, because no power ability. No it's actually quite dangerous because the ship can broach, go over, and then you're done. It's all over. And uh, the Lord never let that happen. I'm very glad about that. <laughs> we had some bad storms down there. But the thing is, you see, if you, if you have no vision for your life, you have nothing to set a course and direction. So we need vision for our personal life. Where are we going? Vision for our finances, vision for uh, the giftings in our life, what we're going to do with them. If you're married, you need vision for your marriage, vision for your family. You need to actually be listening to God. Some of the most important decisions about our family, we heard God speak. And we had a clear direction of what ought to happen and where things ought to go. So vision, we need vision. And God's vision for our life unfolds. So if you don't have vision, you stagger and you stumble and you can't figure out what's tripping you up. You just... (laughs) You've never been in the room and the lights aren't on or the the lamp's blowing and you have to stumble your way through the room to the other side and you always trip on stuff. Where you wander through the house and turn the light on and there's always someone left something out and you trip and not nice words come out, you know, because you're stumbling in the dark because you can't see. But if the light was on, you'd see wonderfully. And so it's really important we have vision. And we we need uh, three kinds of vision. We, of course, need our natural eyesight. I've got a bit to help mine along. But uh, natural eyesight. But what we need also is we need, because if we don't have a natural, if we don't have vision, we become open to deception. Isaac had no vision. He lost his eyesight and his son came and deceived him. And he couldn't, if he just had vision, he'd have picked it up. So, so we need vision. Why do we need vision? See, we need vision like this. We need direction in our life, following the gifts, cause and design of God for our life. We need to have a direction. You should be setting goals, goals our vision in action. So if you're not setting any goals, chances are you have no vision. You're probably drifting. And if you're drifting, the opportunities come and go, and you miss them. See, but we also need God to speak into us. And the Bible talks not only about having prophetic direction for our life, for the long term, understanding the call, having a vision. So young people should have a vision for marriage. Should have a vision and, and be quite clear what it is you want. If you're not clear what you want, how can God bring it to you? So I remember with, our, with buying houses, each time we bought a house, it was quite a big thing to buy a house, but, you know, and, uh, so, but each time I bought a house, I was too busy serving the Lord to go around looking. So said, well, that's a crazy way to buy a house. How do you know if you buy a house? I said, simple. I had to look at three. And I found out where we were placed in the market with the money we had. Then I wrote down what we wanted said, God, bring it to us. I'm too busy serving you to be running around wasting my time looking at houses I don't like. And you know what? Each time God brought it to us. Each time. Each time. You can't believe it. God, uh, tw- twice we bought houses here in Hastings, and each time it was the same way. He said, Lord, I'm far too busy to be running around trying to hold these houses. I can't be bothered doing that. So we had to look at three. So we got a feel. We got reality check for the market. You have a reality check. Don't be way out there, way out, you know. You've got to have a reality check. So we got a reality check about what was appropriate. We wrote down exactly what we wanted, and I told the agent. I said, this is what we want. Don't bother me until you've got the one you, we need. So just give me a ring when you got that one. And so one day, we just left it, got on with the, serving the Lord. So everyone else worries about houses. We just got on busy serving God and having a great time in the church. And then one day the agent rang up and said, oh, there's someone just come in and put the house. They've put it on the market. We haven't even advertised it. And the moment I saw it, I thought of you. I said, I'm coming to see it. We went around to see it. I said, you're right. This is the one. How much will they take? Okay, here's the offer. We'll pay it now. And it, was done. it never actually got on the market. We just bought it just like that. I said, I'm much too busy to be running around. When the, the, the other house we've got now, it was a similar thing. I was quite happy where I was. I'm always happy where I am. And so the Lord says, you learn to be content, see? It's a great thing in life. And so I was very happy where I was and said, three prophets come in the church and prophesied a bigger house. If only after the third one, I really thought, God, you must be really talking. They're all independent, all come from different places. Everyone said of a bigger house. I said, okay, Lord, all right, then I'll look at three. So I looked at three, found out where we were in the market, found out what we could possibly do. And they said, okay, Lord, then you just sort this one out for us. So someone else was looking at the houses and said, oh, look, we've just seen one. It wasn't for us, but we thought it'd be just right for you. Okay, we'll go look. So we went and had a look. Everyone said, yay, this is the one. I went home. I said, Lord, I don't know about this. I'm happy where I am. And so I said, Lord, if if this is the one you want to have, speak to me. Well, he showed me a scripture. It was absolutely clear that was the place. It was so clear there's no other place that could have fitted it. So I thought, that's wonderful. So I went down and said, okay, we'll buy that. But he said, too late, it's been sold. I said, oh, is that so? He said, okay, well, here's my name and phone number in case it doesn't work out. You know, these things don't always work out. Here's my name and phone number. So the guy left New Zealand, went to Australia. That was all we'd heard of him for about three or four months. Then he rang up said, oh, house didn't sell. I said, oh, okay. I said, all right then. So we prayed and asked the Lord. He gave us the exact amount to give him. We gave it to him and that was it. We're in. You understand? But see, words from God, vision from God, vision, direction from the Lord it just makes life so much easier. See, I know people, and for them to buy a house, it's like the event of the year, probably the event of the decade. You know, it's such a big deal. For us, it was sort of something we did on the way. But look, you can't believe it. You, know, you just got to say. But see, it's actually getting something from God for where you're going. I remember um, just another situation. We had one lady in the church who we were concerned about her health and concerned about. Uh, her accommodation came to be shifting. She wasn't doing too good in the accommodation. I said, Joe and I were talking. it'd be quite nice to get her into something that's sort of near the church, not too far away from the hospital. Quite good to do that. I said, yeah. We thought, that's not a bad idea. It'd be quite good to do that. And uh, so again, we didn't do anything. Just left it be. And then one day we were in a meeting and just finished the pre meeting. a pre meeting here. Joe was walking out the door, spoke to one of the ladies in the church, said, You wouldn't have something near the church like this, would you? She said, Oh, I'll just come on the market today. Said, we'll have a look. Had a look. Said, Yeah, OK, we'll have that one. Bought it. Just like that. And that was it. It's not like it was a big deal. See, a lot of people, a lot of things are a big deal. But God wants us to have a vision that's way beyond that. I said a vision for this lady being sorted out and having a place to live to be fine. So we didn't have to worry about lots of things. God just brought us straight to it. You're looking like that. <laughs> it just feels too easy, doesn't it? He says, because we're not sweating over that. We put God first and we let him give vision for the things. Now, you need vision for your marriage. i found I asked some girl, well, you know, what kind of guy are you looking for? They've got no idea at all. And they got some, I think they're looking for Jesus. I'm sure they are. You know, <laughs> I don't know any guy that's like the one they're looking for. But try to get just through, you know, just a few specific traits. And then, you know, someone comes along and he's got those traits. Well, probably this is the one, you know. They're sort of looking for Jesus. I don't know what he looks like. He blue eyes and long flowing robes. No, he's not going to come, girls. No, no, no. No, just there'll be someone else coming. They're not like that they sort of got little glitches and things around them. They're quite imperfect, you'll notice. And if you thought they were imperfect before, wait till you get, you know, wait till you get married, then you find, whoa, wow, I must have been blind. <laughs> That's how it is. Anyway, I guess, come on, read about blind Bartimaeus. let better get on on this. Hey, here it is. He came to Jericho, uh, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples. There's a great multitude, and there's blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus means the son of the unclean man. So probably his father was blind as well. Maybe he had leprosy, all kinds of stuff. Who knows? But He sat by the roadside begging. When he was begging, in other words, he was dependent on others for sustenance and life because he had no vision and ability to move his life where he needed to go. Without vision, you'll find yourself leaning into the opinions, ideas, and what others want for your life. Many people become dependent on others. God doesn't want you to be dependent. He wants you to be interdependent, but primarily to have sense of direction from him. He's promised to lead us. And see, here's a guy, and he's blind, and he's begging. And he's got a beggar's garment on there. I think they authorized the beggars. They had a special thing they could wear. You understood it was, this, it was a proper authorized beggar. And so there he is, and he's by the wayside. He's not even got any direction. He's not going anywhere himself. He's actually not moving with his life. And a lot of people are like that. They're going nowhere. I see them one year, they're the same the next year. You're not going anywhere when you're like that. Me, I'm on the move. Change it all the time. And I'm hungry all the time. God's coming this week. Oh, come me in. I gotta be there. There's something I can learn. Something I can grow in. Why not? Keep that till the day you die. And then you keep full of life. Full of vibrancy. Cause there's always something new. And the new adds to the old. And you got life. Don't you want to have that? Come on. And so here he is. And it says, now when he heard it was Jesus. So, so hope came. And the Bible says, Uh, Faith is the substance of the things hoped for. Now, what happened was he heard about Jesus. He heard the things he could do. And something began to stir in him that my life could be different. You see, the moment you get to the point where you say, my life could be different, you're starting to look at possibilities. And faith is when you have a certain thing inside you that says, I know God is going to answer me. And so there was hope that something would happen, but the hope turned to faith. And and faith always expresses itself in certain ways. When you are a man or woman of faith, see, Jesus said, will I find faith? What kind of faith? The faith that won't quit. The faith that believes, the promises of God, the supernatural is for now. The promises that God will help me and will work in my life. And you see, this man here, he was different to the crowd. He was the only one in the crowd had faith. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. That word's to yell out. There was a hunger for Jesus to touch him. And he turned his hunger into language. Now, listen, you might be sitting there all nice and quiet, but that's not how you express something. Well, a lot of marriages break down because the man is a strong silent type. Doesn't talk. If you don't talk, how's anyone going to know anything? So we have got in a tongue... To speak, given hands to move. And he began to shriek. Ah! He began to yell. Now, you see, you can say, well, that was a pretty extreme sort of thing to do. People come in here and think you're all extreme. No, we're not extreme. Ah! Passionate. Difference. Huh? See? And because everyone, I find, is sort of they're sort of so sort of reserved I kind of get a little bit out there just to stir it up. And so, and so he began to shout and scream. Jesus, son of Nazareth, David, have mercy on me. See, he recognized who he was. Never seen him, but in his heart, he knew this is the one that was promised. This is the promised Messiah, and I'm not leaving till I get a miracle. There was something rose in him that says, I will have a miracle. I will go today with my sight. I won't quit. And so he yelled. See, he yelled. I like that, yelling. Yelling's actually really good at times. Eh? Not when you're a baby and yell all night, but it's not really quite good when you get in a meeting and yell, and I'm actually one for stirring up the yelling too. So I find young people really respond. They'll yell and yell. It's great. Eh? It's good. It does you good. It does you good. You get a good blowout, you know, I'm blasting. Ah, ah, it's, it's good. It's good. See? And it's good for you. But this man, he, he let, now look what else. But many told him to be quiet. See? This is what the crowd does. The crowd said, shut up! We don't like that noise. This is someone important. It's Jesus. Yeah, come on. He just yelled even the more. And the Bible says that word more means much, much, much more. In other words, when he encountered resistance. Now, you've got to see he encountered several things that he would not let. He wouldn't let them get away. See? And let me show, I'll give them to you quickly. We don't need to talk too much about them. Number one, he refused to be ignored. He's sitting on the side of the road. He refused to be ignored. He would not be ignored. Okay? Some people just allow everyone to ignore them, allow God to ignore. They just kind of go through life and they don't make a fuss about anything. But God wants you to make a fuss. He wants you to stir yourself up and make a fuss about his promises. See? And uh, so it says, it says we're to be reminders of God of his promises. They can he refused to be discouraged when the crowd resisted him. Now, you'll find the multitude always resist someone wanting vision and wanting to go beyond the crowd. See, when jo- Joseph shared some of his vision, they all hated him because of his vision. They hated him because, who do you think you are anyway? Who do you think, Well, you're nothing. Well, you're the little f- youngest in the family. Get down there. Get back. So that's what they did. They resented him because he, he actually couldn't be silenced. He had hunger for God for vision. And this guy was the same. When the crowd came and tried to stop him, he just got louder. He just actually got louder. How about that? He got noisier. He got more persistent. He made such a scene, no one could ignore that he was there. So he refused to be ignored and he refused to be silenced and shut down. He just refused to have anyone quench his faith. That's a great attitude to have, isn't it, eh? To refuse. Now, when you go into that school, you know what the whole crowd are going to do? They're going to shout you down. They will. They'll shout you with their attitudes. They'll shout you with scorn. They'll mock and make fun of you, but you've just got to have something inside. I won't be silenced. Hey? See, so if you're all on about purity, living a clean life, not doing the stuff they do, don't be silenced. Get back in their face. See, it's what he did. He just, got, he just would not be silenced. Just he just went off even more. So when they start to nut off about you, about being a Christian and being a virgin and stuff, they say, yeah, that's right. And when I get married, you know something? I won't have those bad memories and bad pictures coming back to haunt me. I won't have a broken heart. I won't be bitter and angry. I won't be twisted. I won't be defied by some guy's lust. I have a vision for something better than that. Come on, stand up and speak it out. Tell them. Just let them have it. You know what? They'll hate you even more. But, they'll quietly respect you. Then one day they'll come and talk. and I come to church with you? Say, we've got, you say, we've got a whole heap of people like that. Oh, heaps of people like that. Lots of people like that. Say, come on, listen, you get excited about the Lord. He so don't be silenced. So he refused to be ignored, refused to be silenced, refused to let anyone knock him back, and then he refused to stop crying out. He refused to be offended because there was nothing happening initially. He refused to get offended because it didn't come straight away. He just kept at it. And in the end, Jesus stopped. Isn't that an amazing thing that actually here's a man stopped the Lord in his tracks. What stopped Jesus? It was the cry, the shout of faith. Faith has always got something vocal. You see, faith is always vocal because faith is based. God said it. I believe what he has said. I'm declaring it, holding it, persevering, shouting. See, it's got something in it. But you see, unbelief has got a different sound. It's got the whimper sound. It's got the complaint. Uh, Poor me. You know the point we see, but faith. This man had faith and Jesus stopped. Now look at the crowd. Look at the crowd. (gasps) Wow. He's calling for you. See, the crowd changes. Today the crowd laugh and mock and shut you up. Tomorrow they're saying, oh, how did you do that? That's what they do. That's what they do. I can remember, I've met many times, right through the beginning when we started here, and people mocked and laughed. Remember, people come to talk to me, say, Oh, you'll never last here more than six months. Very long six months. <laughs> Thousands of dollars of debts. Today, we heard from our accountant, our building's worth over four million. We're actually five million dollars worth of assets all paid off. Where are they shouting now? Ha 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 ha. See, come on now, you've got to to stand for something, you've got to get some grit inside you, based on what God says, so there it is, see, and so what happens, he got the attention of the Lord, and then, and the Lord, so then he threw away the garment, so he threw away the thing that symbolized and represented all that life without vision, and he came and Jesus said, what do you want, what, now get this, that word want means literally, what do you purpose in your heart to have from me? What have you it means determine? What have you determined in your life I will give you. It also means desire. What is passionately burning in you that's caused you to cry out like that? You understand? Jesus actually got him to say now because you know he's a blind man. You know, funny eyes, you know, they they that funny look in the eyes. And uh, sometimes they've got no eyeballs at all. And sometimes their eyes sort of roll up. It's just sort of kind of weird. It's sort of hard when you're looking at it. And, uh, you know, you all know. But there he is. What do you want?
1: He says, Lord, I want to see.
0: I want vision in my life. I want to have the ability to see. He says, according to your faith, it will be done to you. And immediately he was made whole. So he got a miracle because he didn't quit. He didn't faint. He didn't give up. When he started to cry out and nothing happened, he just increased his resolve and he pushed through and he got vision. He got something for his life that changed his life forever. It gave him the ability to see. And when you have the ability to see, everything changes. If you have no vision in your life, no clear direction, you're wandering around, but you know the one thing to be able to say, and because you get like this, I don't know what I'll do, and I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do. Listen, you need to get clear in your mind, this is what God has called me. I have purpose to my heart. I want vision for my life. Lord, I want you to show you what you call me to do. I want you to reveal to me your purpose for my life. I want you to open my eyes to the supernatural realm. I want to be able to see in the spirit. I want to have prophetic uh, uh, activity around my life to be able to see in the realm of the spirit and to be able to move in your purpose and yell until you've got it. Then, when you've got it, then you've got to work, walk it out. You've got to walk it out. You know, when he, when he stood up, Not only did he yell and persevere and broke through the resistance, broke through everything, refused to be discouraged, disheartened, offended anything. See, I know what I want. I'm going for it. Those are the kind of people that really get breakthroughs. And when he stood up, he threw off the thing that represented his background. And I can just imagine as he goes. Now, he's still blind. And in his heart, he's saying, I'll never need that beggar's garment again. Today is my day. I'll have a miracle. I'll never have to wear that official garment saying I'm a beggar. I'll never have to sit by that roadside. I'll never watch for others and depend on them to give to me. My life is about to change because I've encountered the living God.